As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This podcast is powered by SportString, your digital water cooler. Um, in the District of Columbia, right, put that in my back pocket later. What? Yeah. What is the uh, what is the the intro to uh, the the Law and Order? Um, the boom boom. No no no. But 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 like what is like like uh, what is the the what, like what did they say? Oh, in the oh, criminal I, justice in the criminal system. justice system, sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous. In New York City, New York the dedicated. City. The dedicated detectives who investigate these vicious felonies are members of an elite squad known as the Special Victims Unit. These are their stories. Ethics in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull? Hey, no easy answers, but there's one thing I know. Now it's time to play that banjo. Football's our favorite, but won't you please take note? We see it's got some problems, we're all in the same boat. Reckoning with football's past, I reckon you better paddle fast. Boys, I think I hear that banjo. Dick Wolf has made so much money off of just like, well, like seven different stories <laughs> that just keep getting ripped re- from the headlines. Yeah. Literally, I mean, there was literally a Chris Brown and Rihanna one uh, some years back. It was just like, wow, you didn't try at all. You just read three articles and <laughs> wrote a TV show about it. They do a really good job of keeping my girlfriend's parents paranoid, though. So I do have to I do have to thank them for that. That's good. That's always I good. do like that over the last few years, it feels like SVU has become like the default law and order. Like you just said, what is the law and order intro? And then read the SVU intro, which is a spinoff from the original law and order. Well, o- well, OG law and order is like dead now, right? Well, now, Ross, here's a question. Is Ice-T in the regular law and order? That That is the, the only one that I acknowledge in that universe. No, but Sam Waterston is. And, and Jerry Orbach, while, he's, while he's not Ice-T, still pretty great. So is Jerry Orbach, rest in peace, King. Although I will say Ice-T from SVU is my little avatar on Peacock. So Sam Waterston the NBC got- Universal. Family. And I'm sure this. I'm sure that Sam Watterson, um, this is what he wants to be remembered for. But he did those JG Wentworth commercials, didn't he? Sam Watterson did JG Wentworth commercials. Um, he did some. He did some like daytime TV commercial. I'm almost positive, like s- soliciting you to put your money in some sort of account that you then no longer had access to. Oh, I'm sure he did that. That's everyone, every like celebrity for men over sixty has done like reverse mortgages and all that shit. 
Let's like Joe see. Montana does those, I think. And oh, I mean, Brett. Uh, not that, not that he was ever a decent guy, but our boy Brett Favre doing uh, what was what was the copper to- No, copper it's it's sunscreen. The, the copper brace thing, right? It's it's sold to the exact same people who regularly still wear Power Balance. Yeah, and there's also, a big market for that in Hattiesburg. I wouldn't sleep on it. Sp- speaking of. Uh, things on the nbc universal world why why is this new fresh prince exist it's well i think will smith is an exec producer first yeah what, what, i think what it's just a more mean? realistic it's a more realistic version it's not like the og fresh prince was oh i got in one single fight in philly so then i had to be shipped across the country um and hijinks ensue but this was just like have you guys seen Stomp the Yard, the movie? Mm-hmm. Kevin, I think this is the same thing. You just removed hijinks in Sue. Like the yeah, trailer it, makes it seem like he still got in one fight and he got sent to Bel Air, but now Bel Air is gritty. It's basically Stomp the Yard. Well, no, Bel Air is not gritty. It's just more accurate. It's just a bunch of like evil, rich white people like conspiring to ruin lives. That's what Bel Air is. Not just Uncle Phil's backyard, which I wish it was that. It sounds awesome. Rest in peace, James Avery. But you know. <laughs> so we definitely all know we we all we all know what's going on and that there's a Fresh Prince reboot. But like for our listeners who don't know what's going on, like why don't you like maybe de- detailed explain for our listeners though, explain exactly what you're talking about. Including me. I didn't know that was a thing. And uh <laughs> I, I think we've kind of broken it down. There's they're they're retelling Fresh Prince, but instead of it being fun, Will probably has criminal charges brought against him at some point. Yeah, like the the trailer like shows the fight, but instead of it being like a him getting spun around on a basketball court, it looks like his life is very seriously in danger. People are bloodied then, on the basketball court. It's just like who let Zach Randolph it, in here? It looks like it's Fresh Prince, but Euphoria. I, love I don't even know. There's no drugs. It's fresh. Yeah, but it's on NBC. It's so fresh like Prince not Blake grassy. Yeah, that's okay. I'll, yeah, that's fair. I like how I, guess, uh, I like it's just coming. It's probably fewer dogs. I like how Euphoria has gotten so big that they've almost become like the Uberfication, but for television. Like every app for so long was like, oh, it's the Uber, but for walking your dog or for this. And now it's like, oh, it's Euphoria, except it's in Philadelphia. Or every show is just, oh, it's Euphoria, but less dicks. This, this, we're on this, the back end of a window to where if you, if you wear a vest and you've got a startup, you can just say you're the Uber of blank and you're probably going to get some money. Okay, we so got, we got we, about like two more months of that until that Uber show comes out on Showtime. That was a really good, That was a really Banjo good college Banjo College football is the Uber of what? Or the euphoria of what? I think Sydney Sweeney is actually going to grab the fifth mic soon. <laughs> Banjo College football is the euphoria of college football podcasts. Exactly. It's like Ma- other college football podcasts but with way more dongs. Mod Apatow on the show. Well, not anymore cuz Ross said that. So so most most college football, like or or really, I would say most podcasts in general, you are you are having uh, a a screen where you can see people's faces. Uh, We are just all standing in front of our computer screens, dongs out right now. We can't see each other at all. And that's that's how, you know, you know that we love each other. And that's Mm -hmm. what that's what keeps us together. Mm -hmm. We'll be mutually assured destruction. 
You can't they put will be shit. off to piss. It'll be like tic-tac-toe swords because you get two in there. It's crossing swords, but you got a full fucking board. <laughs> it's a prisoner's dilemma, basically. But you know, you dip. can't do you can't do nudes on uh on on on, on Patreon, right? You you got to get on OnlyFans for that. We can try. Only one way to find can. out. I think you can do it on Patreon. It's just like easier to do it on OnlyFans. I also think it's now harder to do it on OnlyFans because they had that whole thing where they were going to get rid of the nudity. No, right? no, they were. They have, they, there's they, a no shaft policy on OnlyFans. I thought that defeated the purpose. No, they no, reneged. They reneged that pretty quick because they would uh, lose like, quite literally what like ninety seven percent of business if that. You're, you're quoting a college humor stat. I don't know if that's a real stat, Kevin. No, I'm. Are I'm, there people on there just to meet folks? What do you mean? They would subscribe. Absolutely. Who was on OnlyFans for cooking fans recipes? Is basically just nude fans. I've never been on OnlyFans myself, but I thought that was the business model. Who was on OnlyFans for self-help? <laughs> Rip, Rippy's running a recruiting masterclass on OnlyFans right now, actually. That'd be a legal way to funnel some NIL in. And I would say it's probably something that you could get Lane to cut a check for. That's true. I got 10,000 subs in Jackson, Mississippi, just waiting on you to sign an NIL. Only portals. Only portal. Yeah, why do you think Jackson Dart came to town? That is true. Jackson Dart. You no, know, I did an interview with his name. trainer the other night, and he was. I was at the end of it. I was like, "So what's this guy like doing in his spare time?" He's like cougar hunting, and he's like, "Oh, there's." I was like, no, "There's plenty of that in Oxford." He was like, "No, man, like the literal jungle cat. He and his dad love hunting the the, the cats." And I was like, "Oh shit! Well, this is awkward." So that was nice. Well, I was about to say, I feel like he and uh, he and Lane could really work well with one another if, if if he meant it literally, because Lane could introduce him to to women his age, and Jackson could do the same. Exactly, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, this guy's cool. We're on the same page. He was like, no, man, he loves killing the cat. I was like, oh shit. I will say, the amount of like mentally ill you have to be to be a high level starting quarterback, like, does track with being the kind of person who's just like, yeah. Me and one gun are gonna go take on a giant, like, jungle cat of the mountains that can easily kill me, and yeah. I will walk out of there alive, and it's it'll be even, fun. It's not even like narcissism because it's like I don't think Matt Jones is a narcissist, but I do believe that man is crazy as cat shit, and <laughs> and I if anyone like were to become the actual Joker like in the NFL right now, like my money is on him. I think that's the perfect quarterback hunting. Because, you know, like deer hunting, you sit up in stands with a rifle. It's not really a fair fight. Like dove hunting, those dumb motherfuckers can't see you coming. But, like, I'm pretty sure with cougar hunting, I did some Googling on this. I think it's you versus the cat. Like, I think you stalk that thing, and then, like, you either shoot it or reap the consequences. I'm not not really sure. So, like, I I think that's the perfect, like, football player hunting is just you go – Track down a cougar. It's like that Cabela's game that was a big deal on the PS2 and 05 for a bit. You guys have all seen the movie 300, right? And yes. at the beginning, like every Spartan boy has to like go into the wilderness with like the scariest fucking wolf you've ever seen. And they have or to. Or they kill get thrown wolf. off that mountain. Uh, yeah. Or they have to kill the wolf or the wolf kills them. Like those are the only two options. And like I think every, like pretty much every P5 and most G5 starting quarterbacks would have killed that wolf. Like, there's no doubt in my mind those guys are coming back with a wolf pelt. 
I would be scared I, I, from from what I know about. I've never been hunting before, but from what I know, turkey hunting is very intense that way in the way that you have to stalk it. And I always remember saying that I would be terrified if a 40 or 50 pound bird were running after me. I really don't know how I would handle a situation with any sort of uh, jungle cat. I am scared. You want it to stalk you. You 100%. want the turkey to stalk you. You want the so turkey to stalk to- you're not allowed to move. You sit on the base of a tree, but the kicker is this shit's happening in March and April. So, you know, shall a snake cross your path? You don't move. Either the snake bites you or you're not killing that goddamn gobbler. That's the big deal with turkey hunting. You want the turkey stalking you because they apparently can't see anything. Apparently they're blind, but God forbid you move, turkey's out of there. I can't imagine there being something that I would, I, I would visit Starkville, Mississippi before I did that. I have visited Starkville, Mississippi, and what? Why do people do that? Starkville's fine if your favorite team is playing there and you don't do anything else in the city and you leave immediately after the game ends. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and Turkey's not that good. Not it's not worth that. What's what's I'm with you there. All of those people. Not getting into that debate just yet. Um, We've got a lot of year left to get into why Turkey is good and Ross is. Uh, northern New York family can't cook. Um, hang on, hang on. Turkey is good. I enjoy turkey, and I acknowledge that there are many families that can cook much better than my northern family, and I will never post like a Republican senator. But turkey's not that good. I'm not. I'm not Scott risking. Walker. I have to. I. I don't. I'm not going to say I'm going to sit at the base of a tree by myself in Mississippi in March and play chicken with a snake just so I can shoot a turkey. They, they have them at the grocery store. Scott Walker, come on the show. Um, we're gonna. Get... Sounds like sounds like Ross don't want it enough, guys. Yeah, I don't think correct. You ain't a you ain't SEC. Uh, speaking of SEC, no, folks, we gotta talk about football, folks. We have a new national champion on the podcast. Um, Mister oh, Andrew, shit. come on down, Keely Ringo. <laughs> Mr. Andrews, you you were in Indianapolis and did not die. Um, Man, just I'm just going to let you go ISO for a little bit here, man. Just the dogs want it. Fortunately, fortunately, um, I have become this is this is the real this is the real problem is I have. I have uh, traversed the mountaintop. I have seen um, the the team that uh, causes me the the most amount of happiness and the the single most amount of pain. Summit not only the mountaintop, but also did it over uh, a newfound. Uh, they vanquished their newfound rival, and to be completely honest, there was a large part of us starting armchair media which is now sports drink which is uh, a roundabout way to how banjo got existing because i wanted a way to shit talk two of the men that are uh actively in this call uh brian scott rippy withstanding and now i've just realized that i can't I, I, there's simply nothing that will allow me more than 15 minutes of happiness on this earth the only thing i want now is all right well i guess we got to go win another one or i'm yep. gonna be sad <laughs> The, okay, the not only to way bring to find out that you could never truly be happy is to witness Georgia win a national championship and find out shit that didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> so 
not to bring Ole Miss into this because this is not the same conversation or tier, but Ole Miss just completed statistically their first 10-win regular season ever. They beat State. A national championship, if you will. Pretty much to some extent. They go back to the Sugar Bowl. All the olds love that. They get to walk around New Orleans or hobble around New Orleans or wheel around New Orleans with their Sugar Bowl watches from the 60s before certain players were allowed to play. But be that as it may, Ole Miss made some sort of history. (laughs) And three days after like the Egg Bowl, they had like some sort of I can't remember who was the first domino to fall. And granted, this is not the greatest point because Ole Miss didn't have a ton of staffs or whatever. But some low-level staffer left, and every thread on the board was like, what the fuck? Like, what's happening? And it's like, you're three days removed from completing your first 10-2 season since ever. And people were just like, flash in the pan, fuck this. And it's like, my God, like, can anyone enjoy anything for a week? No, it, it's not no. possible. Andrew's realizing that now, and he alluded to this. It's like the worst part about winning a national championship is like, fuck, what if we don't win it next year? Like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the, the real problem is, is uh, and now granted, these are the, this is the insanity of college football and, and, and coupled with the insanity of specific um, sort of very, uh, is hungry or like, like are, are, are you more hungry or more thirsty for a national championship? Because in, in normal contexts, you have obviously thirsty means something different. Is it what in the college football context would mean um, most depraved for a national championship? You seen the money George is throwing around? It's thirsty. Yeah, you might be right. You might be. So, so thirsty, because I think the problem with Kirby Smart was the recruiting base was was built so much that we are building this machine we are building this ship and this infrastructure and it's obviously there and it's manifested i mean two two national championship appearances in in five years is nothing to scoff at but when you're basically promised that you are going to be the next alabama and all you have to do is vanquish the current alabama and then you realize oh no alabama's better than us next year going into next year you get into this whole like well, what are we even fucking doing here, man? We like, uh, we we fit because I think there was a part of me too that that even I really didn't allow myself to even think of a world where we won the national championship. And I this is something I think something moving forward that I was extremely excited or, or I am extremely excited to do is I think I can enjoy like an October college football game now, because it used to be, all right, if we lose this fucking game in Knoxville or we drop this game to South Carolina or we do the Georgia thing every year where we lose a game we shouldn't, it then kicks that 41-year, 38-year, whatever it is, down the road one more year. And then we are, for another season, the laughing stock of college football. And for another season, this clock is on Kirby. And for another season, you have to deal with, like, even in October, you're waiting for next August and next September. I think finally now, though, I'm going to be able to look at it and be like, enjoy when you're beating the shit out of Florida. Like, don't think that it has to translate to some future success. Obviously, it would be great to go to the SEC championship and do the entire thing again, but I think this is going to finally allow me to, like, all right, you got the one out of the way. Now you can, like, enjoy the next one. Because when I, I, I shit you not, Keely Ringo won or, or returned the interception back, and I celebrated for probably, like, 30 seconds of like maybe the most intense adulation I've ever had in my life. But then Bama got the ball back and they were at like midfield. And I was like, 
52 seconds left. Okay, so if they score right here and then they get the onside kick, theoretically, they could end up like I am the most brain dead human being alive looking at a 15 point lead with 45 seconds left and being like, I don't know, is it enough? And so now now I think that it's finally processed. They're like, all right, this is something we have the ability to do. I will have the ability to potentially enjoy another one if it comes. Exactly. I don't I don't know, Andrew, if you look at it statistically, you know, like if there was 41 years and then you add on another, that's 42. That's not that big of a difference. Those are relatively the same number. But if you miss one year and then you miss the second year, you have doubled the length of time since your last national championship. That sounds brutal. I don't know how you're going to make it. Yeah. In, in fact, don't, go, don't go two years without winning one. Um, man, you got – well, don't go three years without winning one. Like if you miss two in a row like um, Bama just did before 2020 – like there will be real message board comments about asking if your coach has lost it. That happened. And it will happen when we lose to folk. Who do we play on the road midseason this year? When Tennessee breaks the streak this year, like it'll happen. People will call for Saban to retire. I mean, y'all Kirby, Kirby hadn't won a game in like four weeks. I, I, I don't really know what he's doing. Hey, no, he, or, he won that. He won that Michigan game like 11 days earlier. But we are in the greatest run in the history of college football. And, like, for as much as people love to shit on Dabo and Kirby, like, I know it's a different sport, but there wasn't another team during the Jordan era. Like, he quit because of gambling or whatever the case may be, whatever you choose to believe to go yeah. play baseball. Like, there was no one in that. Yeah. And that was, like, the greatest, like, run we'd ever seen in that sport. Like, to have Dabo and Kirby somewhat infiltrate that, and this is not even a knock on Alabama – it's pretty fucking impressive. I would almost say as much as everyone hates Dabo, a little bit more impressive than Clemson. But for Kirby to kind of kick down the door and actually get that done, that was the most impressive thing that took for me from that. Because you can get to the mountaintop, but to get over and beat the guy that kind of owns you, pretty impressive. Now, took some injuries, whatever, but hey, you're there. It, it really is sort of like the early 2000s NBA where it's like, all right, cool. The Pistons have made like six straight Eastern Conference finals. Like they're going to break through one of these years. The Spurs are like, I guess the Spurs could be Alabama like in that time frame. But even in, like, in the middle of that, like the Heat got one. Um, the Lakers were like on the tail end, but they were still like in the mix every year. There are legit like four or five real teams that can win it. And I think that's the case now in the NBA. But for a while, it was just like, okay, well, like whoever LeBron is on is coming out of the East and the West will you know, go and stay for five years in a row. And then, you know, it just, it, it just wasn't the same. So Rippy, I agree. It's nice that, you know, who knows who's going to win it next year. It'll probably be Ohio state. And like, that's so fucking but- Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think I, I think Ohio state winning, it would make me more upset than Georgia. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and I want to be yeah, honest, Andrew, you're great. And I appreciate, you know, theoretically every week doing this podcast with you. But I know more Ohio State fans who I personally like as people than I do Georgia fans. And I would lose my mind if Ohio State won it. I They are, as a whole, the worst fan base. And I, I truly dislike them. Here, oh, here's the thing, guys. That. If AM ever won one, my God. In oh, 39, baby, right? <laughs> Can we start I mean, making so, 39 jokes? 
Look, here's here's, yeah, here's something that, all they want. That's coming. I'll let Andrew continue to gloat, but the AM thing is coming, whether people like it or not. That shit is coming. Jimbo has to do I mean, this two or three. Price of crude is gonna drop all those guys Agreed. are gonna transfer out. And I don't I really I do not wanna be I do not wanna be the old guy yelling at clouds here or they're like they're not program building the right way. And, but like when you sell NIL and you don't sell football and then football doesn't go well and that and therefore the NIL doesn't translate, you start to have issues. And I'm not saying that that is going to happen. All I'm saying is if you don't win 10 games this year in College Station, I think there's going to be a problem. Like for all of the stuff that like, like the way that Kirby did this, he was one play away from it, a national championship in his second year. Saban was 12 and 0 in his second year. I mean, and I I know that I know that some of these things take a little bit longer, but it really like this doesn't seem like like this seems like a cargo cult built of a program right now. No, I don't disagree, think- but the counterpoint would be eleven and one during the COVID year, correct? I mean, they were a one loss SEC team that didn't get in because of you know pretty much unprecedented circumstances. I but hate to be the A and M starting quarterback. Like I. You know, we can make jokes about Kellen Mond, but like he was in the system for a long time, had grown for a while. Like he knew what he was doing. And like, yeah, like Zach, the fucking Calzone, like is now going to be at Auburn or whatever. But um, like, I, yeah, he had built it. And I understand that he is building a better program, but I just don't, I don't know. I would be shocked if in two years, all, what seven or eight five stars that they signed this year are still on their roster. I would be shocked if half of them were still on the roster. I agree, but I wouldn't be shocked if they brought in eight more though in the next two years. Because they have pockets that are not deeper that are like look as much as people want to shit on him, I don't like I again I'm beating the AM drum. I'll shit on him gladly later once hopefully we talk about what Lane Kiffin did to put Jimbo's brain in a pretzel, which did that make national news? I was like that was fucking awesome. Like, I'm not the biggest <laughs> the shit bread rat? That made me so happy. Unbelievable. But honestly, with the way this NIL shit is going, that shit's not stopping. You had a kid from Miami the other day who was trying to make a point about how, no, he wanted to go in A&M, and his reasoning was NIL wasn't the only reason, which implicated two programs at once in NIL bidding <laughs> to get over to her services. Like, I don't know how this is going to go over the next three years, but this NIL shit's here to stay, and it's not concerning for the South because look, as long as Kirby there, he's going to do whatever. As long as Saban there, he's going to do whatever. What mm-hmm. happens after Kirby and Saban? Because they eventually get to a point where like, they just don't whoa, have whoa, pockets. Whoa, as deep whoa, as whoa. That cult. Please, please don't scare me and put them on the same timeline because I need, I need at least a decade of, of dragging nuts on the SEC East without Saban. So oh, that's no. happening. when Saban, when Saban that. retires, Kirby's walking out the door with him and the two of them are going to go hang out and fish and retire together. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Y'all, ban- banjo banjo four hundred is going to be crazy when Kirby and Saban just take over, and we are now coaching Georgia and Alabama. I, Kirby's got that running as lucrative as possible, like you know, Kobe Dean. But can he get six of them? Can he get six of them to match A and M's five? Because I think that's we're getting to a point where A and M could get four to five a year by just going in their sleep. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Is, like, yeah, A and M can get Kobe Dean, but like, can they turn him like? I do also think that Kirby is a good coach in addition to being an exceptional recruiter. Like, 
great I'm talent not... developer, great recruiter, the worst in-game coach that this well, fucking like, sport has Andrew, ever shut seen. Shut the fuck up. You, well, um, do people believe? Do people forget that? Alvar, I'll let you finish, but I just wanted to butt in. People forget Kirby is literally Nick Saban's most trusted lieutenant he has ever had, and <laughs> at some point, like immediately, we forgot that when he took the Georgia job. But yes, really good coach. Frustrating at times, but yes, good coach. Like I, I'm just not certain that, like at at every school, George, Andrew, I'm sure you could name somebody at Georgia, like at Alabama, at tons of these schools, you get these five stars that do not become Nicobe Dean. They do not become first round draft picks, and like A and M might have gotten seven of them, and that looks great, but I'm not sure that all seven of them are going to be at A and M and turn into first round draft picks. And, and here's the real thing. What, what I and I don't know if we've necessarily seen a test case on this before, but what Saban did and what I, I imagine Kirby is starting to do after a while. Sure, you have to recruit, but after a while, you just start you just start pointing and you just start saying, "Look at the trophy case. Look at the NFL draft. What do you want?" And at A and M, we. We haven't really seen all that many test cases where they bring in a bunch of talent and it doesn't work. But I'm kind of, I feel like in the NIL space, in College Station with Jimbo, there is a chance that it, not that it won't work, but if you go 10 and 2, 11 and 1, and get blown out one year in the playoff, and then like 10 and 2 again, and then you have a couple of draft picks, you have no hardware to point to, can in year four of not winning, you still go and say, look at we've done look at what we've done four or five stars or high-end four stars. Like, is that something that you can still sell to top 100 players in the country? Because I imagine it's a pretty easy recruiting job for Kirby and Saban right now. Like you have to still keep the staff up and the infrastructure there, but their pitch is getting easier and easier over the years. I'm interested to see what a 2024 pitch of Texas A&M is if there isn't at least an SEC West title. Well, Andrew, which is the most fascinating part. Go ahead, Ross. Like it's a different division, but 10 and two, 11 and one, 10 and two in a playoff loss. That's the start of the Kirby Smart era at Georgia. I mean, I, no, because Kirby. I mean, Kirby. Kirby went eleven second year, eleven and one national championship appearance, eleven and one, eleven and one COVID year national championship. What did he do that first year? Sit, Lost five. at home to Vandy. Lost did at home to and and at home to Georgia Tech. Did they have a road game at Oxford? I wasn't even flexing. I just wanted to bring up the All Nighter. One again, one, one day on, one day on Patreon. I mean, but, but also, but also we talk about like, we also talk about this, like this is year, like one or two for lately. We talk about this as like year two for Jimbo when this is year five for Jimbo. And so this like is year five for Jimbo, coming up, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So these we, things start quicker. Like, like this is people, I, I know it's their first big recruiting class, but the clock has already started. He only, Kirby has only been at Georgia for two years longer than Jimbo has been there. Jimbo's halfway into that deal, right? That was a 10 yeah. year deal. Yeah. He's halfway into it. No, he got an extension. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it, the, the uh, stipulation I think is um, until every member of Banjo dies, Jimbo Fisher gets to be the head coach at AM. Yeah, the I want to have a, a very complete. dipshit of an AD. Yeah. Um, 
But the, so I will say though, to counter that, I, I can't believe I'm carrying the A and M water here, which is just the craziest thing ever. You should not undersell the amount of money that put this class together. Do you know how Jimbo could have gotten away with said lie the other day in said press conference because he said there's no $30 million fund? That's because the actual number amongst amongst coaching circles was about 31 and a half. So, hell no, it was awesome. (laughs) Kidding me? That's fucking chump change. Like, I'm I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying, like, you guys could very much be right, right? Like you go eight and four, eight and four, eight and four. Well, what's a seven hundred thousand dollar deal versus nine hundred or whatever the case may be to go to an Alabama or go to Georgia and get to the league? But man, like with this NIL stuff being as new as it is, the amount of money that they had to put together what they had is more than any resource that anyone's ever had to work with in the history of college football, in my opinion. I'm just curious to see where that goes. So I will say this, um, and I know we joke about this all the time as members of CFB internet, but but the price of crude oil is not going to go up 32% every September to February. Like it was like that, that actually had a real effect, I think on this pool of NIL money that, you know, ain't had to work with. On top of that, it was the first real year of NIL where of course, some people understood it immediately, but even a place like Alabama where Bryce Young got, you know, seven, $800,000 in the off season, a, the state and school like weren't properly aligned on how to best leverage that where Texas immediately did. And then you saw the first thing when the season ended, like Alabama like rescinded any NIL regulation they had on a statewide level. So now you see like, and after AM got their class, you know, Nick Saban's going to circle those wagons. Could be smart. will do the same thing. Billy Napier is putting together a literal, he's trying to put together a death star in year one. It's very impressive, but also a little scary what he's been doing in Gainesville. It's like Jim, like they caught everyone. I don't want to say napping, but maybe half asleep while they were wide awake in the NIL space. I don't think AM is going to get the drop on everyone like that every single year going forward. And also, speaking about them as a national contender, like this class is great. He's got to do this again for two or three more years before we say, oh, they can win a national championship. Because right now, their best players are like, what, Anaya Smith, if he came back and these freshmen, which is, I mean, it's a great class, but a guard, it, it, probably. It, it takes a lot more than one stellar recruiting class to win a championship. You need three of them. Well, and, and I think that I'm just curious I, how deep the pockets are. Yeah. And that like, even that, if the extending their situation, like, how does this go? Like how relatively deep are said air said pockets, if that makes sense between a Georgia and Alabama versus, you know, as big of a cult as they are a lot of money out there. Yeah, I, I, the the thing that uh, the I think the stat that popped up was like eighteen of the last twenty one classes since two thousand. Uh, uh, if they have, I'm trying to think of what it was, but it was basically like of the last twenty one years, uh, schools that have had one number one class have won a ch- national championship eighteen out of twenty one times. But it's also like with the implication that a lot of those schools build like you don't just necessarily have the number one recruiting class and then completely fall flat on your face in the years after that. Yeah, this and like has the highest potential for that. Yeah, and like not to be a you know a Bama douche, but like how many of those twenty one are Alabama who have had every single recruiting class Saban assigned as won a national championship? Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's twenty one, but I don't know. Six. Eleven of those twenty one are Alabama because he was number one a bunch of times. Like, it's 
Yeah. So that's it's you know the the sample size. I don't know if it's sample size or bias statistics or whatever. I no, I don't know. I'm not smart enough, but. But those other recruiting classes that we talked, like those other schools that won, it's like, yeah, sure, they got one one year, but like Florida under Meyer, like, yeah, I think that 06 class was number one, but 07 was like top four. 08 was like top two, I think. And that 08 class was a bunch of freshmen, but it was like Joe Hayden and, you know, Jeff Dips and Chris Randy. It's like they, they you kept doing it year after year after year. I think AM can do that. I mean, oil money is still oil money. And, they have a huge institutional, you know, commitment and demand to really, you know, make that next step. It's just hard, man. They're in the SEC West. It's hard. Auburn's a fucking dumpster fire right now, and they you can tell me they'll win seven games next year. I'll believe it. I will not tell you that they'll win seven no, games next year. They're no, not no. going to win seven games next year. They're about to fire their head coach. I'll believe it. I want to transition to Auburn, but to, to capitalize off that point, because I feel like I've related Texas A&M for, you know, 20 minutes here. The other point is none of, this, <laughs> none of this shit is binding. What happens when one of these kids gets all like all this money? Like this is like NIL has to be above board for tax purposes, but this is not some binding contract. Like if this kid gets up there or named the player and sucks, like how does said rich guy who has made his money off not giving people, you know, stupid amounts of money with a terrible return on investment, a la Quinn Ewers and whatever asshole he swindled at Ohio State? What happens there? How many kids get fucked out of their money and then that turns around and it's like, hey, don't go here. Like, they promise you this, yeah. but I promise you it's not actually that. That's the fascinating part to me. Like, how real is this? Yeah, and, and also, like, I think something that's very – Rip, you're better tied in than I am. But something that I have gotten the sense of is that we're all talking about NIL in terms of influencing recruiting and all this stuff, and now it's legitimizing. And, yeah, Quinn Ewers got a million dollars at Ohio State and then transferred away. NIL has not completely replaced just good old fashioned cheating. Like the bag men aren't Mm-mm. gone. Like it has given it like an invisibility cloak. Like there's some of it. Okay, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, you're signing this deal with uh, whomever the fuck. Bryant Bank. Company, like all this, <laughs> you're signing this deal with Bryant Bank, whomever it is. But like the guy that made a bunch of money on crude oil, who doesn't necessarily have a company for you to rep for, or for you to tweet about how much you love filling up at, steve's gas station he's just still gonna fill a duffel bag with cash and drop it on your porch like cheating is still zach real. Calzada, it's not zach just... calzada zach calzada uh probably sponsored by bags of crude money god damn it sponsored by yeah, Halliburton. yeah it's like if t tom menswear is used to giving out five thousand dollar handshakes not like they'll just they'll give you an nil deal for three thousand bucks and then give you a two thousand dollar handshake like that, that shit, I, it's still happening it's everywhere which I mean, was that, the fucking genius of the kiffin thing <laughs> but we've done Ole miss too much i have a rant on this at the end we'll go to auburn first but my god i've been chomping at the bit to get at this i really but, want to get to auburn i just zach calzada brought to you by halliburton will sit with me for a long time andrew i'm very upset to you for you saying that <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes the episode titles just write themselves, which is nice. Um, but I, I, what, what I am, I, and we can, we can get into the the Auburn thing as, our, as we our, do. Our Auburn brought to you by Raytheon, yes, yes, or the C organization, but yes. No, Auburn, Auburn at this point is just going to straight up be like Auburn football, sponsored by Boko Haram. We no longer care. <laughs> Give us your money. You know what they are. <laughs> 
Carson, what happened? Booster Network. They are the outdated Booster Network concept. They are the mm-hmm. biggest fucking mafia that has ever lived in terms of mm-hmm. like under the table money. And now that it's over the table, they don't know how this bullshit works. Brian Didn't Harsin the whole fucking Yellowwood guy become his whole deal with the silly ads with the hat and all that shit? Like, put the players in the ads and put them in the hat. That's it's the easiest <laughs> way to get above board, man. Like this shit is Tank Bigsby in the hat, goddamn Bigsby in the yellow hat. We build houses and we build programs out here on the plains. <laughs> They're the most exactly college football. Halliburton. I want Yellowwood. Now, now here's a question, sort of, kind of getting back to the A and M thing a little bit, but but I, it it makes sense for any school that has a large booster network. What does like what does happen theoretically with all of this promised money? I know it's going to there's no one answer, and it, it's going to be a combination of cheating and actual legitimate money. But like, so let's say let's say you have X X player. Is he promised some sort like like are are you structuring a promotional contract basically? And it could be, it could be cool to have a guy like Portner on here, Rippy, to to talk about some of this stuff. But like, are you going to say? Tank Bigsby, we want you on a one-year contract for Yellowwood, and it'll function a lot like a college football scholarship to where if you tear your ACL or you get hurt or you say something bad about that company, we owe you X amount of money, but we owe you nothing after that. Or is a guy like Bryce Young, is he like, like are these hitting in lump sums? Are these installment payments? Or is there the ability for the sponsor to renege on this? Like, I, I'm interested to see in like how boot, like, like is is a guy like Tank Bigsby saying, I'm going to take money from a certain booster and not a booster? Because I imagine you have a lot of these kids who are socially conscious now don't want to take some money from say, maybe some of these more insidious organizations that are going to be like on the backing of supporting a lot of these schools. Like what what is y'all's insight as to like how the logistics of this are going to function? Well, Rip, no one fucking have, knows. You may have looked at some of these contracts. So you, I don't know if you know anything about or talk to people. But I can tell you that like the the laws that were written now, some a lot of them are being withdrawn because once the NCAA got rid of their rules, states are saying if we have a law, it's restrictive and that's going to hold us back. But one of the things that was written in particularly for these things is that you have to like report these NIL deals and they are not allowed to be pay for play. So if you sure. are no, but sure. like, so cheating, the cheating is fine, but it is not, you are not allowed to write into your contract. I am giving you this deal because you're at Ohio state or whatever. like everyone knows that's why you're doing it. And everyone knows that's the platform you have and all this stuff. But if you sign a deal that says we want to pay you for four years, I think the player transferring or whatever that may be is not, a, there may be like a force majeure clause in there somewhere that, that lets them out of it. But like, the whole like the the specific letter of the law is built to for what little law there is is built to protect against pay for play so this was the whole thing with when that guy went to jackson state was everyone was saying like if he signed some big nil deal that dion set up for him it cannot be content that cannot be written in the contract at least that it is contingent on attending or playing for one school this goes back to the uniformity of all of this, and no one fucking knows. You talk to you talk to compliance people at some schools, and like you're like, hey, what like what's the deal with this contract? And they're like, 
like I don't I don't really know. Like yeah, it sounds right. What you're saying sounds right. I mean, what the fuck do you mean it sounds right? I'm asking you a question. Like the it's interesting in the sense that they talk about the statewide NIL laws, and no one's gonna ever have sympathy for Mark Emmert. If I would did a five minute stumping thing for Mark Emmert being right in some senses, people would probably turn off the podcast. But one of the reasons he was begging I would turn you off the podcast. One of the fucking reasons he was begging this summer for the for the federal government to be like, hey, can you guys legislate this and get this shit together? Was because it was going to turn into a total shit show. Now, it has nothing to do with the contract, which we don't know are actually contracts. You talked about Portner, like getting him on. I had Portner on an hour-long podcast, and half the answers, he was great. Don't get me wrong. Love the guy to death. But half the answers regarding to like how binding the NIL stuff was, it's a great question. Not totally positive. We're still feeling that out, which <laughs> as it pertains to state laws, from what I can gather, and I could be totally wrong about this, as it pertains to state laws and restrictiveness of that, it's about the school's ability to broker the deal versus not. So a, Texas has very much laissez-faire to no laws at all. To Texas A&M can help broker the deals. To where in Mississippi, they technically can't, but that gets into who the fuck is actually enforcing this. So that to me, in terms of state legislature and state laws, it's more about who can broker it and when the school can get involved, if at all. As far as the binding contracts, your guess is as good as mine, pal. I have no idea how these are binding. Someone's going to go to court over this, and I think that's where we're going to find out. I cannot wait for someone. Like, I truly, I would love more than anything to read a brief that someone submits to a court case about this. Like, I, if anyone out there who listens to this knows of somebody who signs an NIL deal and then has to sue over it, Please, dear God, send it to us. I want to read that so badly. Why don't we just do it? Why don't we get a banjo-sponsored athlete somewhere and then renege on payment, and then we got firsthand access? I like that. And then we'll have Portner represent the athlete and be like, look, tank this kid's case. But, like, that's, we want to know the legal KP, mumbo-jumbo. KP, if you can if you This can call is the- being recorded. <laughs> KP, if you can get in the content minds, I'm sure we can make an entire Nathan for you episode off of this. <laughs> oh man. The plan. Speaking, you sponsor speaking, an athlete. Oh, Nathan for you. What a show. Speaking for people weighing over their heads, um, Mr. Harson on the plane. Yes. Good He's God. Having, having quite sorry, you say on the planes. Man's in Mexico. <laughs> My guy is still in Mexico this whole much, time. Very much took a vacation to Mexico without having an offensive coordinator uh, on staff. It's a real thing he's, he did. He's uh, hanging out with Al. He's have a defensive coordinator. He's hanging out with Ted Cruz's family down there. So for the, I don't know how you listen to banjo without knowing this, but for the uninitiated, uh, Brian Harson. Um, Hey, well, his offensive coordinator left after like a week and a half on the job because he just didn't feel like it was like six weeks. Six, sure. Okay. Because he didn't know he had to recruit. He didn't know he had to recruit, or at least recruit as much. He allegedly didn't know he had to recruit. He was a college quarterback like five years ago. Austin Davis of Southern Miss fame. Uh, Didn't know he had to recruit. Summer on Mississippi, shout out. Hell yeah. Didn't know he had to recruit at the college level as a staffer, so he just quit one day, which is fine. You know, we wish him the best. I have no ill will towards anyone in that situation. But um, Brian Harson just went on vacation after that. And then just the rumor mill went a million miles an hour. I'm not going to give credence to any of the 
actual bad stuff because I don't think any of that is substantiated. I just think it was a coincidence. Coaches bring staffers from their old schools all the time. Billy Napier is probably the best ever at it at this point. Um, but, yeah, Brian Harson basically just – he's done a really good job of pissing off every single person that he needs to piss off in order to get fired. Um, but being just a general bad guy isn't enough for a cause, so they're trying to negotiate – a reduced buyout because they're already paying Gus 20 mil and they can't give Harson <laughs> and they can't give Harson another 18 a year later. So they're trying to figure also, something out. I actually so it's really it's objectively hilarious that he's in Mexico this whole time as all of this is going on. That is <laughs> the funniest, it's the funniest option. But I heard someone talking about this recently. I think it might be actually good for him that he's in Mexico right now because if he was in Auburn, like when this shit came out, I don't know what, three, four days ago, I have no idea how long this has been going on now. I feel like it's been constant for a week, but like the compliance HR AD, I don't know how these athletic departments are run, but like when this shit's coming out, someone can bring him into the office and be like, Hey, we need to talk and fire him. Like, if he's in Mexico, he can screen his calls. If he sees like, oh, the AD is calling, I'm not answering that shit. Like every single call that's supposed to go to him is going to one of his guys right now. Like he is not answering any call where someone can fire him because he's in Mexico. Like he might be out of a job already if he was there. And the only reason he's still around is because they literally can't get him in the room to tell him he's gone. Well, credit to Harson. He knows like no matter how much they hate him, no matter how much he's done, they you can't call the Auburn football coach and fire him over the phone. You just can't. Like they, they, which he knows. No, I'll that. do it. Which, which is awesome because it means we're going to figure out what extradition laws college football has <laughs> in the legal ecosystem. Brian Harson, continue your vacation in Venezuela challenge. I don't know what the title of this podcast would be, but I'm prepared to offer a defense of Brian Harson. Yes, and AM in the same podcast. Can I can so I will put this out. This there. is your Joker moment, Rippy. He is not a saint. I would start by outlining that. He was no angel. He was, <laughs> there was no angel in this process. Absolutely zero angel in this process. But the reason he's on vacation is because every fucking coach in America is on vacation right now because the late signing period means nothing now. Now, to Brian Harson, it meant a little bit more than nothing. You know, what was the late signing period was last Wednesday. Ole Miss's head coach, I mean, Ole Miss's coaches were on vacation on Tuesday night. Lane Kiffin was in Manhattan Beach by Tuesday evening. And technically, Wednesday was the national signing day. Now, Auburn actually had dudes to sign. Ole Miss had no plans to sign anyone. And one of the things that saved Harson, despite the six and seven year, was the fact that they recruited decently well during the early signing period. He needed to close on about four kids, and he closed on zero of them, which that's not a great batting average. If you do the math, hang the one, that's a 0% hit rate. But this has nothing to do with Brian Harson. Oh, I say that. Very little to do with Brian Harson being a Scientologist. Fucking an intern. We'll just go right there. Like, whatever rumor you want to put out there, true, untrue, this has very little to do with that. Do you remember what happened when Brian Harson got hired? Alan Green, the athletic director at Auburn, basically had to stage off a coup to have Kevin Steele become the head coach. And that was the – Auburn has basically like a 
gangster mobster type booster network that would put any other booster network to shame in terms of how they operate. That doesn't mean they're better. That honestly means they're worse, they're more dysfunctional. But in terms of how business gets done behind the scenes, they have more infighting and they also have more blood wars, I would say, than pretty much anyone else. And the people that didn't want Harson in 2020, 2020, 2021, guess what? After he went six and seven, lost the Iron Ball and lost to Houston, this motherfucker still didn't want him. So I think that all of this is those same people that didn't want him then, don't want him now, and have now used a shit recruiting class, a six and seven year, blowing the Iron Bowl. And oh, by the way, is that a condom next to that internet Boom. desk? Throw it on there. I think like, they're just piling on for this guy. So he's not a saint by any means because of his beliefs, because of his lifestyles. I don't know if he knows David Miscavige. I'm just saying the fact that he's an outsider and his non-Southern lifestyle is not helping him. But this is a mafia-type hit that is going on, and they're going to execute it. It's just a matter of time. I don't even know if that was a defense. So, I'm just saying it has so, nothing to do with his coaching prowess. So I want to – to piggyback off of that, I, I want to offer the moral defense of the athletic department of one SEC West program. And this is kind of – this is a long and winding road, but I think you all will understand where I'm coming to here. I think that we have this uh, a general ethos on this this uh, program, and Rippy really touched it here, is winning cures all. And when winning is not enough, you are going to start seeing things like the cracks in the armor. We would have never seen anything about Ed Orgeron's personal life. And this isn't even the SEC West school I'm talking about, but just providing some context. We would have never seen Ed Orgeron's personal life get drug up in the way that it did if LSU followed the national championship season with some sort of competence in 2020. And yep. it really wouldn't have heard about it if they would have actually been good following that year. The only program that I can think of that has said, nope, not worth it for us is the University of Arkansas because they kicked Bobby Petrino out the door on a high. The man was coming off of a 10 and three and then 11 and two season where he actually looked like he and Ryan Mallett were beyond competent for what Fayetteville had produced in the previous 15 years. And they said that, that was not good enough. That does not jive with what we are doing around here. I, oh, buddy, that was post Mallet, by the way. He went 11-2 with, like, Tyler Wilson. Like, that's like, – but oh, you yeah. had 10, program 10 may, You're right. You're right. 10 may have been Mallet's last year. But, I mean, yeah, they, they – He they, built they, a they, program they, at Arkansas. Bobby Petrino won the Cotton Bowl. And he the, probably and, keeps and when, his job in 2021, too, just saying. It, <laughs> They, they are the only school that I can think of in the modern era of college football that has fired someone for a legitimate non-football reason. I maybe our rivals, all, but that's well, well, that. But but you I can mean, even dude. You if, can, if Auburn like if they don't blow a twenty-eight to three lead to state and they like don't let Zombie Alabama off the mat. Like, this isn't even a conversation, right? Like, you go eight and four, and even if you lose to Houston, that's still eight and five, and that's not great, but it's not a losing record. You still beat Bama, and you don't blow a 28 to three home lead against state, right? But that's I mean, happened, and that's the SEC West. So, like, yeah, they're going to get him the fuck out of there because of that now. Like, the, Rippy's right in that, like, this is absolutely like a. Nixon era rat fuck like every single thing they can get on him they are setting the message boards to try to like sway public opinion but like he's all like 
yeah, it's six and seven, but like he's bringing this on himself a little bit. Like he caused stink. Like they were able to get the thing. Like he almost had an issue with losing his job due to a vaccine mandate that was going to go in for state employees last December that got pushed somehow, but like he made that shit about him and it's it like I do. I am not under the belief that every single SEC head coach is like pro vaccine and like wants to care about the like fucking Mike Leach coaches in the SEC. There's no way that man actually thinks the vaccine is good. But I bet that even as crazy as fuck as he is, he probably thought conversations about vaccines are a distraction from my football team and I want to win. So I'm going to get it so I can say yes and move past it. I'm never going to record a PSA. I'm never going to tell people to do it, but I'm going to get it and move past it. And Brian Harson didn't see that. I think I don't, again, he refused to ever answer whether or not he got vaccinated, which to me means that he didn't, but like he, he recruited a basically equal signing class to Florida who just hired a brand new head coach in December who went on and coached the conference championship game for his old team. Billy Napier has said like, like year one's going to suck. Like I'm a new coach. I'm going into the sec. I'm not going to be able to recruit. This is what Willie Taggart did wrong in Florida state. Like Billy Napier came out and said, I'm a new coach. This class is going to suck. I can't recruit. We're not going after anybody. We'll try again next year. And Brian Harson signed an almost exactly equivalent class. Their 24 seven rankings are 226.12 and 226.79. That. I don't fucking know how 24 seven works, but those numbers seem the same to me. Like Brian is getting rat fucked, but he did this to himself as well. So our two things are allowed to be true. Once you're exactly right. But like if, if he had done all of this to himself and gone eight and four and beaten Alabama is the fact that poor girl, whatever the hell her name is in wise, is that coming out? I don't, of the fact that I don't know her name. It? I don't want to know her name. If you are on the internet being mean to this poor woman, because someone on a message board said that Brian Harson did something, you're a bad person and you should leave her alone. KP, what? I don't uh, give a shit about that. my defense, because at the end of the day, that man's in Mexico, and they're basically trying to find ways. To, they released that statement earlier today, right? Or not earlier today. They released a couple. Both of them were just absolutely ridiculous. I think the one on Friday was, we're trying to separate fact from, fi- fact from fiction. I mean, might as well write on a sheet of notebook paper, we're trying to figure out how to get into this guy's buyout and not pay him but we can't figure that out yet. So we'll report back when they do. Well, Brian Arson is sipping on, well, I don't know. Is this what? The, whatever. Nicotta, I mean, like, be I'm not settling. Fucking fire me. I would like my $18 million, which I think why is he's in the greatest position in all of this? Because they have made this situation untenable, but they're not going to find legitimate cause to fire him for a cause. So, Worst case scenario, he goes through the years a laned up coach, collects eighteen million, and is like to hell with these crazy southerner assholes. But yeah, he gets nine and a half million thirty days like, or sixty days or whatever it is. What is Auburn next nine million? Because like Auburn's stupid. Their booster network has created a worse problem for themselves than than Brian Harson with Lincoln Riley. Saint, but at their USC? Auburn mafia has created a worse situation for themselves. I will not be convinced otherwise. No, you're right. But with Lincoln Riley at USC, there's about to be so many fucking Pac-12 openings that people lose their jobs for no good reason. Brian Harson is absolutely sitting on a beach in Mexico, drinking whatever he wants, probably with his family. Like he's going to collect his, his 18 million over 12 months, and then go sign a to be the head coach at Wazoo or something. Like, I don't, yeah. Arizona State. Arizona I don't State's think I was, I was about to say, 
I was about to say Wazoo. Wazoo is certainly not hiring another anti-back head coach. <laughs> but K- KP, the uh, this was authored about uh, what, this very niche Catholic guy here. This author, a quote authored about one Catholic guy head basketball coach, Mike Toops. Sorry, oh. Coach Toops, if you are uh, if you are listening. But they said you can either be a good coach or you could be a night or no, no. What, what, what was it? You can, you can either be a bad coach or you could be an asshole. You can't be both. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna, you're going, neither one of these things explicitly did him in. If he, if he went six and seven, even if he, he blew, blew smoke about how he was operating and recruiting, he would have been fine if he said the right things, did the PSAs, even him and Saban did some sort of backs up Alabama bullshit or whatever, or if he would have gone 11 and two and operated the exact same way, you just can't do both. And you yeah, don't even have to be an 11 and two asshole. You can be an eight and five asshole. Like as long as you shake the right hands, like I think there's also a part of this that like, he doesn't want, I don't know if it's that like no one is telling him what to do or like, but like, I just don't think he wants to, learn what he's doing wrong yeah our cousin that's what zone duo had a pretty good patreon episode um i think either yesterday or the day before but like on harson's first like two months on the job it's like bo jackson has a huge golf tournament apparently every year and like brian harson didn't go to it which is like if you're the head coach at auburn like if you're doing anything non-football related it's like you go to bo jackson's golf tournament that's like the bare minimum it's like the one thing you have to do. And Harson just didn't go for whatever reason. And it's he just KB can just you nailed it with that though. That's exactly what happened with all that. I mean, all of y'all did to a certain degree, but like that bullet down to the biggest example. He has no idea about Southern culture and how you have to act. And he went to the most like Southern culture booster base of all time. And like the the accusations of him, you know, he had those very I would say unfounded, just to be fair to him, accusation of him being a racist and not taking inner city kids, right? They come from rougher backgrounds or a little bit rougher on their edges. Guess where you can get away with doing that? Fucking Boise, Idaho. Like eliminating a kid because he comes from a poor background and has gotten in trouble in Mobile. It's just not going to fly at all. And so like there's a learning curve that goes there. But when you're a total asshole, you're not going to get the advantage of learning curve. But it's going to work out for him, I think, in the form of a fat ass payday. Can y'all imagine the footage that we could pull from the Sam Pittman at the John Daly Celebrity Golf Tournament? Oh God! You know, you that know, might you, be know the, you know what'll happen might, if if Sam Pittman gets offered like a fifteen million dollar endorsement deal with like Costco or Target? Like the the going to be Walmart. No, I'm oh, saying oh, oh, I see. Oh, the Walton oh, oh, yeah, family yeah. will like come within three hours with a twenty million dollar check, saying no, no, no. Here's where your bread is buttered. Like that's Auburn. If Auburn had any semblance of like alignment, the way Alabama has in the last fifteen years, the way Clemson seems to have, the way Georgia has had, especially in the smart era, like Auburn would legitimately have, I think, like four national titles this century if they had any if, real if so, alignment. If Sam. If Sam Pittman missed out on John Daly's golf tournament, he would show up on the flight logs and then be ousted with cause within a year. You would have to produce a death certificate. He'd be like, yeah. God. Like. Yeah, the, yeah, Sam Sam Pittman, uh, Sam Pittman has committed suicide with two bullet wounds in the back of his head. Interesting. His principal Clinton family, family promised. Clinton family at it again.
So can I kill Jimbo Fisher before we get out of here? Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. How much national news does this make the whole Kiffin Jimbo thing? Because this is what I wrote on the newsletter last week for like three days in a row. This provided me three days of content. I felt felt like some 1883 settler that just killed a buffalo. I was like, I'm fat for a fucking week. How how like how much of a ripple did this make outside of like Oxford and College Station? How much attention did either of you pay to this? So I saw it a lot. I will say, like, I'm I follow a lot of college football news, but it doesn't surround me. Like, uh, you know, I grew up in the Northeast. I live in DC now. Like, it's not the thing that people talk about or to me all the time. But I will say, I think outside of like SEC reporters, people sort of like knew, like, oh, he's probably talking about Kiffin, but they didn't really talk anything about it. Like, people in Oxford read that rant and they were like, oh shit, he just called out Kiffin. And I think even people who are just like national college football writers who live in Chicago, for example, as a city, I'm not talking about anybody who ever lives in Chicago are just like, oh, haha, like, isn't this funny? This is wild. Like, Sports Center account probably tweeted out the rant and they were like, haha, Jimbo yelled about sliced bread, which again was funny and was absolutely elite glasses on and off talking, which if you're going to talk with a prop, if you watch that video, Jimbo takes his glasses on and off during that rant better than anyone ever has since that guy from CSI Miami. But like, it's, I don't think people outside of Oxford and people who are like fully infected with the brain worms of SEC football, like the four of us are really connected it to Kiffin. Which is fascinating because people in Oxford looked at that like Japan in response to Pearl Harbor, because they felt like they had lobbed the first proverbial turd in the punch bowl. So I wasn't going to watch Lane Kiffin's pre-signing day press conference that wink, wink happened a day before national signing day. But someone texted me about an hour before. I was like, Hey, gonna want to watch this shit first fucking sign that something was up lane kiffin walked <laughs> into that press conference room from the time of his opening statement he had not taken a question yet and started talking about how the rules were stacked against schools like Ole miss like congrats to so and so for playing within the rules but i don't know what we do do we put a salary cap on this like, because we just don't have the resources some other places do. And then he gets asked that one question. Did y'all see the look on his face when he said, I asked if Texas A&M was going to incur a luxury tax for their recruiting class, and he ended the question like that? I've seen a lot of great shit-eating grins in my day. A lot of them have been in the mirror. This was beyond anything. That man's face went like this, sideways. And just ended the question completely like, my God, I just committed a murder and I don't have to say anything else. This was a thousand percent intentional from the time that motherfucker walked in the room. In five years that I worked at Ole Miss, we never had a press conference the day before National Signing Day. Even if National Signing Day doesn't matter, it doesn't make any sense to sit there and go to a press conference before. And you will never convince me that Lane Kiffin wanted to do it because he wanted to get to Manhattan Beach a day early. It was 100% calculated. He knew because the talk of the coaching industry for two months was how much A&M has spent money on the signing class. And Lane Kiffin changed his press conference day from Wednesday to Tuesday to go out there and do that and make Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher quote-unquote answer to that because, shocker, he didn't trust the Big J journalists at Texas to ask the tough questions. Not even that's a tough question because it's all above board. But to put pressure on them, and they took the bait. Maybe it's because he knew Ross Bjork was a complete and total dipshit. Maybe he knew it's because Jimbo Fisher was out of his element. But my God, 
He didn't accuse them of doing anything illegal and made them look like total fucking clowns. I, I don't love the Kiffin shit-stirring all the time, but God, what a genius. I want to write a book about this guy. Sorry. I'm think, it's all good. I'm My thing about Jimbo is um, amazing rant, Rippy. Thank you for that. <laughs> if I'm Jimbo, I'm just like, yeah, we had a $30 million fund, and they got us the best exactly. recruiting class in college football. What the fuck are you gonna do about it? It's, yeah, be it's legal now. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be forty million next year. <laughs> but do you know who knew who wasn't gonna do that? Lane fucking He knew <laughs> that he wasn't gonna do that, which is amazing to me. That is amazing. I hate to give the guy too much credit, but shit, man, played him like a checkerboard. <laughs> like that was amazing to me. Like the, the entire thing was orchestrated. Like Lane, like Lane is a professional troll, but I mean, I, I do think this was some of his finest work because in most of his other trolls, it's pretty pointed. Like, you know, whenever he, like whenever the Saints job became open, it's like, I think he was just on a recruiting visit or something like that in New Orleans at the time. And he just took like a picture of a Louisiana license plate. That's a good troll with like an obvious, like, you know, target or whatever. I don't think he was like going at anyone. He's just like, yeah, no, like NIL has been crazy. We didn't have a big year in high school in Mississippi, so we've been portal happy. It is what it is. But no, Jimbo is just. <laughs> Do you think Jimbo is like guilty that he <laughs> got his signing class this way? There's like the tiniest twinge of guilt that's like, oh, maybe we did it the wrong way, which is BS. But still, no, I think. Can anybody heard... name me the AD A and M? It's Ross Bjork. Is that him? Come it is? on the show, Ross. Where was he before? No, oh, that's that's a great uh, question. The, the University of Mississippi. Where did he where did he fuck up every public relations strategy possible? Are you tell me this is Jimbo Fisher's idea or was Ross Bjork like, let's get the wrestling belt out and let's address this? I'm sure Jimbo Fisher was like, why it's fucking legal. And Ross was like, no, we have to get out in front of this. Ross tweeted about it. The fucking AM athletic account, less than half an hour after this press conference happened, had tweets with the fucking bull emoji or whatever that shit is, ready to go. This is a coordinated attack by a dodo brain who is paying his football coach too much. I will shut up. Now. It was almost as bad as that press conference of Ross, uh, Hugh Freeze, and was it the president Vitter at that point? And yes, and like, you're giving them too much credit because we were supposed to have a press conference that day, and instead we got a video to our inbox of those three in ties recording yeah, a cool. hostage video. We were not allowed in the room. <laughs> yeah, they were holding hands in a hostage video. <laughs> Everything's okay. Oh, man. All well, i got to say is I'm kind of glad I stopped paying attention to college football in 2020, the year that didn't happen. <laughs> man. Um, yeah, no, I mean, nothing Nothing good has happened for Andrew since then. So, you know, it's, uh, it's been a nice – Exactly. Like Georgia, they lost two games in 2020. They lost the national championship on aggregate in 2021. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a rough go of it. <laughs> Andrew saw the first news report about, hey, we got to stay inside for two weeks to, uh, to flatten the curve and uh, just hasn't, hasn't paid attention to anything about college football since. Hasn't come I, outside since. He's got... I, I, I figure since uh, it would be unsmart to have 100,000 people in one stadium that college football just hasn't been played since March of 2020. So, I mean, Andrew, um, I'm really sure you haven't taken off that bathrobe in two years. So, no, I'm 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 really excited to get our our Winter Olympics podcast going, though. Oh yeah, Are you guys watching the uh, halfpipe qualifying? Chloe Kim's doing great. Oh no, I need to throw that on. I I did hear that we are we were violating uh violating sacred. Uh, Ross said he had a, a hard out at 10 p.m. Eastern to uh not not uh interfere with any 
snowboarding things. So I think this is where we may leave y'all. KP, you want to shut us down? Folks, that was Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. Uh, join us as we go forward. We will be recording these episodes live on ColorCast in the future. So if you hear that, get the ColorCast app. It's free to download. It's free to make an account. Takes about 15 seconds if you're a really slow typer to make one of those accounts. And yeah, we'll see you, hear you, talk with you live soon. Thanks for listening, guys. Finish your breakfast. You just got banjoed, bitch. <laughs>